Hello. My conversation today is with a friend of mine, Molly Jones, who is a composer, performer, and music technologist based out of Chicago. We have a really cool conversation about projects during COVID and what it means to be a musician at this time in the United States and the Chicago music scene and online music venues and all sorts of other forms of electronic musical communication. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please consider visiting my Patreon page. Welcome to Music in Mind. Music in Mind. Hello. (laughs) So this is my friend, Molly Jones. We met 2014, I think, back at uh, University of California, Irvine. We were both doing a master's program in integrated composition, improvisation, and technology. So we we are now masters of all three of those things. (laughs) Yeah. And of the fine arts, too. Oh, yes, of course. MFA. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so how's it going? It's good. Uh, I, I'm sitting on my couch that I've been sitting on for the last like seven months straight, pretty much. Yep. So, you know, uh, yep. it's raining. It's nice. How are you? Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, I wish it would rain here. It is so hot in LA. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so Molly's in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Yes, and uh, here at least, like, the standard weather pattern is it starts snowing by Halloween, so we're approaching <laughs> that, and it sounds like L.A. is not. <laughs> no, no. My, man, I really I really miss that, that Midwest change. Like, October is so nice. It starts getting chilly. It gets rainy. It's snowy. Yeah, I love it. so nice. Oh, the man. The smell yes, in I, the air. It's the best. Yes, I love the seasons. I have to say, I don't. That was the thing that I least liked about living in California. Was <laughs> I know I can't. It drives me insane that it's like January and it's blistering hot, and you're just sitting in your car and the sun's beating down and all of the the heat is radiating off the concrete, and it's just like you're in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So what what have you been doing on your couch for seven months? Um. Well. Um. I've been, um, besides having like existential crises, uh, yep. I've been recording some stuff, doing some live stream shows. Um, oh, cool. And um, I just released a cassette through a new label here that's called Arcane Object. And um, yeah, so Arcane Object basically. Um, someone I'm indirectly connected to in the scene around here, like more like the noise scene than the improvised music scene, just kind of contacted me and said, Hey, we're starting a cassette label and we want to release this like cassette art object, like in a limited run. Okay. And do you want to make one? And I was like, yeah, sure. So they gave me, basically the goal was to use, um, like magnetic tape for as much of the process as possible. So they said, all right, so what do you want to do? I kind of told them an idea of what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then they like packed this bag full of like tape equipment and sent it home with me. And so then I just spent like a month playing with all this tape equipment. So all those, those samples in it that are sped up and slowed down, is that all analog with tape? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I, I just assumed you did it digitally. That's amazing. 
Yeah, I wound up. So I mean, the very fun. the very last step was I took it to digital to like mix it a little bit, but right. like um, beyond that, yeah, everything's with tape. And like my favorite piece of equipment was this like courtroom recorder, which I had never worked with one of those <laughs> before. But it's like this big black box from probably like the '90s that you like put a couple tapes in, and then you can like change all these like the speed, but also like sort of like the treble and bass levels and all this stuff and then you can like scrub backwards and forwards okay. through the sounds i wonder because... why a courtroom recorder would need any eq yeah that's interesting an interesting question i almost wonder i don't know people who do that professionally probably understand why that like like they're both courtroom recorders and audio files <laughs> <laughs> so they're trying to get get they get that replay just right <laughs> That's right. I am you hear I all the lows in that. <laughs> you can hear everything. So important for uh, our justice system to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I mean, I almost wonder if it's related to like, like fatigue, because you'd be listening mm. to that for hours and hours and right. hours every day. So I almost wonder if it's like they just have that so that, I don't know, make it easier <laughs> to listen to for hours and hours. Yeah, like pump up that bass. Let's get the party going. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. And then the the release. So you released it on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, it is available on Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, but you can buy it physically. Does it come with a, a cassette player? It does not come with a player. It just okay. the, it's just like the cassette with like some like artwork and booklet okay. and stickers and stuff. Yeah. Cool. Because the picture it looked like it might come with a cassette player, but. Uh, <sighs> But because this is the thing is I don't have any way to play cassettes, otherwise I would totally have bought it. But also it is cool as an art piece in and of itself. Yeah, I think the goal was there. The soundtrack, the tracks are available for f like free. Actually, name your mm -hmm. price, download on Bandcamp, so right. you can hear it. But yeah, I think the goal of the label is really to make objects. Like I don't yes. actually own a cassette player either. Um, How many I just copies like... of it of this tape do you own? I, I own 10, and I can't nice. play any of them. <laughs> so, yeah. The other fun thing about that that's not musical at all, but, like, I was inspired, like, by the idea of solar wind. Just, like, this idea of, like, mm. part... There's just... We're constantly, like, you and me both right now are just being bombarded by particles that have just been mm -hmm. thrown out of the sun, and it's just, like, <laughs> constant. And we've just, like, evolved to not notice or, like, sense it, but it's it just happening... Crazy. Yeah, yeah, All the it's time. It's weird how much physical like phenomenon we we have no way of sensing that's happening that's crazy. yeah it's totally yeah it is and, and then like a solar flare happens and like everything stops working and we're like why did everything stop oh wait there's like a massive flame <laughs> like ball of flame coming out of the sun like crazy so, so does, how often yeah. does that happen solar flares i don't know anything about them I don't, I actually don't know how often, I think they're kind of unpredictable. I don't know how yeah. often they happen. I think it's like, there's little ones all the time, and then big ones are like, uh -huh. you know, cool. less frequent. But, um, but yeah, part of the cassette, or the thing I, that they put into the little cassette box uh, was uh, like sunflower seeds, like a native sunflower. So you can just like, I don't know, harness the energy of the sun with the oh, okay. little cassette project. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what, do you think people will eat them? Hopefully they will plant them. I mean, right. they could eat them <laughs> if they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess if if somebody sends me sunflower seeds, my initial thought is snack. Just yeah, cause, you know, just because we eat them as snacks. You have <laughs> a point, and I didn't do. 
really think of that. So <laughs> maybe it is a snack. Well, like, cause like when you order equipment from Sweetwater, they send it, the little bag of candy with it. They do, yes. I have a story about that. I used to work at a public library that did a synthesizer festival because we had a synthesizer collection every huh. year. And so we got Sweetwater to sponsor it. So they would oh, send cool. free like merch and stuff to give out. And every year, though, we would ask for a, just a couple copies of their catalog for anyone interested. Mm-hmm. But instead, they would ask, well, how many people do you expect to attend this event? And we would say, like, maybe 500. And they would send us 500 full-size catalogs and bags of candy. So we would just have, like... Like, there would be a truck that would arrive and unload, like, pallets full of candy and (laughs) sweet water catalogs. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty silly, but everyone loved the candy, so... Yeah, I mean, it is a nice touch. It's it's a good gimmick they've got. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about their calling calling you all the time thing, but... Oh, see, I've avoided that, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's cool. So, So you made it... Pretty much all with tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the sa- there's like a lot of noise in it as well as samples and then flute and all sorts of things. So is that just overdubbing? Sort of. I basically, I got like a stack of like, so every, like all the tapes we used, including the ones that are, that you get if you buy it, are uh-huh. all recycled. So basically, I just got a stack of old used cassettes and erased all of them. So some of uh-huh. them are a little funky, which is like where some of the sound came from. Um, they're like stretched out or loose or whatever. Um, and I just like erased all of them. And then I recorded. What all did I record? I just like carried a little cassette recorder around with me for a little bit to like oh, cool. some Zoom rehearsals. And then I would take the out from my laptop and like like speed it way up or mm-hmm. something or like um yeah and uh there's some alto flute that's the only no that's not the that's the only acoustic like instrument instrument on there okay um and then but then i have like a bunch of toys i was using like bells and uh-huh. shakers and like rice in a bowl and oh. stuff like that that okay, i like so recorded th- so that's a lot of the like crispy sounds and stuff okay cool yes i mean yes. i love it i've listened to it like three <laughs> times now it's awesome oh that's awesome yeah yeah <laughs> The flute yeah. really comes through, too. It's so nice in this texture. It's kind of, like, poignant or something. I'm curious what you think about mixing acoustic audio sources with digital ones in, like, electronic work. Um, well, I think it's different in live performance versus in a recording. Because a recording, especially something that you're listening to streamed, is sort of all digital anyway in a sense mm-hmm. um and so it's just sort of the process for how that sound has gotten there whether you recorded it through a microphone or created it through a digital synthesizer or something like that uh i think in live performance it's a big problem for me <laughs> so like if i'm doing live mixing i my worst nightmare is that there's sounds, some of the sounds are coming through like the house system and some of the sounds aren't. And I, I don't know why that sounds terrible to me, especially if it's like electronics and like the flute player, but the guitar player and drummer aren't because it really like separates the sound in a way that bothers me because it really makes clear that there's like electronics and then acoustics. 
So how did you like handle that way back when we were both like alternately working at um, Smith Hall? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We 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 were both uh, graduate production assistants at at UC Irvine, <laughs> doing doing sound for all the all the shows there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. If I was lazy, I wouldn't care. But if I was if I was on top of it, I would probably mic everything. If anything was going through the speakers, uh, I would mic everything to blend it. Mm-hmm. So even if something was already loud, like a drum set, I would put just a little bit of it in the speakers to try to create like an immersive environment coming from the speakers. I don't know, it's, it's like that problem of bleed off the stage versus the sound system. I feel like once the sound system is engaged, the ideal is that all the sound is coming from the sound system. Hmm. I feel like we had a conversation about sound reinforcement at some point, like a Did long we? time ago. I think so, yeah. Like you and me or at in the program? In the program. I mean, like oh. I feel like we were part of a social-turned-nerdy conversation about... <laughs> oh, about like oh, oh. the use of like a sound system just to reinforce acoustic instruments like okay so we've had this conversation before perhaps a little bit yeah it's one reason i think i thought to ask is like i remember you having thoughts about that <laughs> i think my thoughts are probably the same i'm probably <laughs> okay. not saying anything novel here i thought you meant like the professor sat us down no like, like we need to talk about sound reinforcement <laughs> i kind of wish they had though in retrospect like but i don't think that's what anybody's specialty was so no no well yeah, cool. So, so you have the the cassette project. What mm-hmm. what have your live streams been? I don't know if I've seen many of those. I haven't done a lot. I mean, I've done a few um, through the uh, experimental sound studio here in Chicago. Has been running a series of like daily, sometimes more than once daily concerts mm-hmm. called the quarantine concerts, and they're. Um, so I've done a few through that. I like did one at the end of August that was a duo with Angela Batdawid, who's a clarinetist. Um, mm-hmm. I'd written like an index card composition for the two of us. Um, okay. Yeah. I feel like I saw something about that. Yeah, I was index probably posting about familiar. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did a piece. I wrote a piece for the two of us, and I did another solo set with them. And I feel I feel like I've I feel like I did three total with them. But um, yeah, they've been they're in a unique position, I think, because mm-hmm. they are recording like a visual and audio recording studio in addition to being a venue a live venue and so as soon as this shutdown started like within a week they already had an online venue set up and they already had all the equipment to do high quality streaming and so they've been doing it yeah every single day Mm -hmm. back since march they've been doing it sometimes there's one in the afternoon one in the evening and the nice thing is like the room itself i don't know have you ever been have you spent time in chicago and you have right yeah 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 have you been to shows at ess Mm -mm, i haven't it's a nice it's a really nice venue but it's very small it's like very intimate so like, like i've seen videos from there yeah it's like if you it's like a wide rectangle and like if you have a group in there you can seat like max 20 people like maybe 15 to 20 people and you're all crowded in but like since the beginning that sounds great in covid that sounds wonderful (laughs) right (laughs) yeah that'll be a, a, a landmark when we can go back and do that again um but yeah so they like when they started streaming they would have like 100 people watching each show so it's like the artists, then they give all the money to the artists. So okay, they would nice. basically, you'd earn more from a show 
at, after quarantine than you did doing a live show there before. That's amazing. That's cool. Which is, yeah, they've done a really good job with that. And there's other venues around here that are like doing a lot of streaming. Um, but That's exciting to hear. So th- yeah. there is there's something happening. There's oh, yeah. Li- living music. Yes, uh, definitely. Like ESS has been great. Elastic Arts here has started to do some like maybe okay. once every weekend they'll do a show. Um, and they just got a cool thing. Well, unfortunately, right before the shutdown, they just installed. Um, they're calling it the Cleat system, but it's a 16 channel um, speaker array that's like distributed throughout the space. Oh, so fun. and it's nice because you they are very open about it. You just basically join their like Google Drive group. And then you can just book time and go make stuff in their 16 channel system, like whenever you want. That's amazing. Um, so there's, yeah. And I think they're trying to find a way to do like a binaural um, recording of some of the 16 channel work so that you can actually like listen mm-hmm. to it. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of local groups that are doing really good stuff here. Um, okay. And I'm curious what's been going on in LA with streaming. I don't know. I feel like I've been uh, like, just so like out of it in terms of community stuff i uh i don't know i (laughs) have no idea i was i was trying to start an online venue myself at one point oh cool i i feel like i don't i don't have the tech set up so i was like trying to work with obs and go maybe from zoom into obs or from some kind of streaming platform into obs but i couldn't figure out how to get it so that video and audio stayed synced up and it became such a problem that I kind of gave up on it. But, hmm. What what vision did you have for this venue? Uh, so actually it, it was it's based on the model of places like the Comedy Store or the Comedy Cellar in New York. So like a workout club for musicians to do short like 15-20 minute sets of new material. Wow, that sounds really cool. Well, because I love this model that uh, that the Comedy Cellar and the Comedy Store have is that it's it's not an open mic. It's professional comedians, but the sets are short. They're 15 minutes, and they'll go through 20, 30 comedi- comedians a night. Wow. And the idea is, like, the, regular, the regulars will do four or five sets there a week. That's That sounds really awesome. I feel like musicians would dig that yeah well because it also creates a scene yeah community and that's that's something especially in la i feel like i it doesn't really ever happen to that level and i feel like when i imagine places like austin and nashville i kind of imagine things like that where musicians are doing multiple sets a day like many days a week yeah or like yeah a combination of like yeah, that's that's a really cool idea. You could try out new concepts, and mm-hmm. I feel like to t- like it's also just like a a good time for like the idea of an online venue is a really good one. Like I've yeah. only seen one that's pop other than like regular venues expanding. I the only one I've seen is this new one called Oda. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. I think it's called Oda. Let me just make sure it's called Oda. Um, but their first series of concerts looks pretty spectacular. I know about it because. Um, Angel Bat Dawid, who is the person I did the duo with at this latest stream show, um, uh-huh. is one of the artists, but she's on there alongside. Let me just pull up who else is on there. It's like a crazy lineup that they have um, for these shows. 
And they're really going all in with the idea of, like, a high-profile online venue. Uh Uh-huh. I feel okay. like the the difficulty online is is the communal aspect because I feel like this is part of what is making it hard for me right now is that I feel like I'm not really connecting with people. So if I'm making all this music at home, it doesn't feel it's missing a part of music performance that's important to me. Are you doing any like jams, like virtual jams or anything? Yeah, I've I've done a few and I, they're they're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, having an audience would be better, and so like things like Twitch streams and stuff. I feel like it's it's close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay, so Oda, here's some of the artists that they have on their first like season. So Ann Peebles, DJ Python, Madlib. Um. Pauline Anna Strom, Terry Riley, Sonia Sanchez, Standing on the Corner. It, like, Angel- Terry Riley is performing? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was still performing. I don't know, but they have, like, a crazy lineup here of, like, 20 artists, so yeah. I'm kind of curious what it's going to be like. That's pretty wild. It is. So you got to get in there. You so got to get your venue. Oda. Oda, O-D-A, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like it, it's it's a little bit of a tech hurdle. So like if if you have the funding for some some decent equipment, like a distributed system like audio and video kind of controlled separately, it would work a lot better. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the wall that we're all running into right now. And <laughs> like what was this jam I did? Okay, so I was I was oh yeah, I was um actually um with one of our other ICIT f- fellow classmates, Martim. Mm, um, cool. He's teaching at uh, Brown while he's finishing his PhD. Yeah. And he has an ensemble he's running, and he invited me to just, like, jam in the ensemble, right? So, um, yeah, we were jamming in the ensemble, and, like, we were using that funny... that funny uh, Jamulus. Oh, we're talking yeah, about yeah, Jamulus. Yeah, Jamulus, yep. Yep, yep mm-hmm. And that is... <laughs> It was like the room he picked out. It's like a. It's like basically like they create a bunch of like sort of. It's like sort of an old fashioned chat room where yep. you can just they create rooms and then you can just go into one of them and whoever's mm-hmm. there is there. <laughs> and so like he the one he picked for us. He's like, oh, this one's pretty much always empty. It's like New Jersey guitar jam or whatever. And so we just like all went in there and then all these we kept suddenly hearing all these voices in the middle of what we were doing, being like John. John, are you in here? <laughs> who, who's in here? Who are you people? It's rude to not put your instrument in your name. Come on, oh, guys. You gotta. <laughs> come on, guys. It was like very like we got policed by the New Jersey guitar police, and I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. Jamulus is kind of a goofy platform. It is. <laughs> it 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 definitely has like that old skill, old school, chat room vibe that you were talking about. It also, I feel like it crashes a lot. Oh, we didn't experience that, but okay. I believe it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Have you tried any other any any of the other new, uh, like networked performance platforms? 
I tried one. A friend of mine did actually. So yeah, I played um, on with my friend Derek Worthington's ensemble with for the network or the Music Now Festival in uh-huh. uh, UK, and we used for audio. We used this. What was it called? It was called Sound Something. I don't know what it was called. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently, from Derek's computer, it sounded great, but like none of us could really hear each other. So it's like any, I don't know, I'm skeptical of any of these that are like, we're low latency. It's like, yeah, you still have to get a signal across the country. So like. It's true. Some of the, like, Jack Trip works relatively well. And uh, I think Miller Puckett just put out a new, a new couple. Like Nettie and uh, hmm. Quack Trip. I don't know about either of those. <laughs> they, they run through PD, pure data. But, oh, uh, okay. I mean, they're like they're as low latency as your network will allow. So I was doing one between here and Dallas, and I think it was like forty milliseconds or something. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Is Nettie the one that's called Nettie McNett Face? Yep. Okay. It yeah. is. <laughs> and then you and in order to run it, one of the people has to start a Nettie McServer. <laughs> it's pretty great. But they're all PD patches, so. Okay, well, let's. Okay, I'll have to look into that. That's like, yeah, yeah. Have you been Have you been keeping up with any electronic stuff like like Max or PD or, or Chuck? I feel like I you you were using Chuck for a while, right? Yeah, I was. Um, I not like for the last year. So, well, uh-huh. okay, I've done some stuff in Python. I've been doing like so. I just <laughs> like. You know, a lot of people right now, I'm trying to get a job in the tech world. Um, And so I, like, did a boot camp, a data science boot camp. And so I was working in Python, and I decided to work on some, like, audio feature detection with this library called Librosa. So um, I've been doing stuff, manipulating sound in Python, but mostly it's been not for the purpose of making music to this point. Uh But it's sort of like I wanted to do that to develop the toolkit where now I could go um, and I think make, I want to use like, so I've been working with neural networks and I want to use these neural networks called GANs, um, generative something net um, that basically (laughs) like you train it on an existing set of say audio or whatever visuals Uh and then it generates new material, new content based on what you train it on. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something I've been working on, but I haven't, produced like a project yet um okay um and yeah i think the last time i worked with chuck was like a year and a half ago i did i went down to um i went down to rio to where um santiago who you also know Mm -hmm. is a fellow at the international institute for mathematics and like applied mathematics institute okay um had a live coding conference and so um I use Chuck for that, but yeah. I haven't done a lot with that. I'm curious what you've been doing with, like, <laughs> well, yeah, all yeah, of that. Yeah, we, we can talk about that. I, w- I want to know about this, the, the, the neural network project. So what, what is it that you're hoping to do with it? You know, I'm still figuring that out. So, okay, okay. Um, I was working with Richard uh, right. Savory on this, like, paper that we presented at last year's um, Society for Music Theory conference uh-huh. about this woman named Sister Harriet Padberg. Oh, yeah, I, I was um, on that, too. 
Yeah, that's right. We were yeah, we doing were that. co-authors. We we're co-authors on that paper. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think like that kind of got me more thinking about algorithmic yeah. composition. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think that got me thinking about it. And then just like having the opera, like doing this boot camp and learning about neural networks. I basically the whole time I was sitting here going like, I know I can make music with this. I know I can make music with this. How can I make music with this? Yeah. And so then it was like finding what kinds of networks work well for that. Um, and so I think my goal, like a project I proposed for a residency, which I don't think is, I got or is happening. One of the uh -huh. two, um, was to work with the, um, Bloomington normal historical society. Mm -hmm. Um, and create, they have like, the Historical Society has a wing that's like an arts foundation for experimental audio art with historical materials, and they do a residency every year. That's pretty specific. It's extremely <laughs> specific, but it's also like extremely what I wanted to try. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's I'll amazing. apply. And so um, basically, my suggestion was I would take a bunch of their archival audio from like Bloomington Normal's history, find mm. some topic within that. And then basically just like train a neural network on those sounds and uh -huh. then, or like either have it auto complete the sounds, like start, like play the sounds so that you hear the start of the set, the recording oh, as it cool. is, and then have the network try to complete the sound uh -huh. and probably generate something crazy in the process or like feed it all these and then like have an installation where you're hearing both the archival sound and mm -hmm. like whatever the neural network decides to create out of it. Yeah. Um, that's so a very I, cool yeah. idea of an incomplete sound, whatever that means, and then completing a sound. I think in that I'm relying, if that, like, what I'm imagining, it's probably, the thing is, like, I'm imagining a process and not a sound, right? Because I don't know what's going to come out of these things. Uh -huh. um, so it's it feels, it doesn't, it's like a different kind of composition, I guess. But I think I'm relying on the fact that, like, as much as neural networks can be really accurate, in detecting audio features, they also just, like, are still pretty dumb. Like, I'm relying on the fact that it would take an audio recording of, like, I don't know, a person speaking and have no idea actually how to finish that, so it would generate some crazy sound. Well, I don't know. I, I, feel like, I feel like there's this, there's this problem, because there, there was something, I, I think I read about it a couple of years ago, it was some advanced neural network that like, Google was working on, and they were trying to teach it what a wolf was. And so it looked at all these pictures of wolves, but what the programmers didn't realize is that all those pictures also had snow in them. And so it only thought it was a wolf if it had snow in it. And in fact, it started labeling all sorts of other things that had snow along with them as wolves. And then wolves where there was no snow, it didn't think was a wolf. Yeah, yeah, it's... Actually, even if you, like, I use Google Photos on my phone, uh -huh. and it, like, auto, I don't know if you do this, it, like, auto um, identifies stuff in your photos so that you can search your photos for, like, a oh, no, or no, whatever. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. I, I, I keep my phone as, like, I don't know. I have this weird, like, Luddite fear. <laughs> I don't know if it's weird. I feel like it's pretty justified. But like, I, I don't do the thing where, like, I can send messages for, on my phone from my computer. Like, I have that disconnected. I hate okay. it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to connect you and everything, for like, in every way. And, yeah. Yeah, no, like, Google's, Google's image identification is surprisingly good a lot of the time. Yeah. You can, like, 
look up some extremely specific things. But then also sometimes it's just, yeah, it's very dumb. I think this is one reason, like, getting into this neural network thing is what's made me realize how far away autonomous vehicles are. Yeah. Like, we people for, like, I don't know how long, a long time have been like, oh, autonomous vehicles are, like, 10 years away or within the next 10 years. And the reality is, like, maybe, but, like, they can't see anything right now. Like, right. they can't tell a pothole from, like, a boulder. They don't know. Yeah. So, I like, mean, I think there's some very deep things missing and uh richard savory and i always Mm -hmm. uh we we, uh, go back and forth on this one a lot but (laughs) uh like i'm working on c plus plus trying to learn it cool and i feel like a a takeaway i've gotten is that a computer doesn't know what a word is no neural network no artificial it doesn't know what a word is at all and i feel like that just something like that, the concept of something like a word, is very different than teaching it to connect different strings of letters and different pieces of data, even in very complex ways. I no, feel you're like right. the, the emergent concept of a word is not happening. Yeah, it doesn't really understand like phonemes or like the way we yeah, organize that stuff in our brains at right. all it doesn't have a brain that's the same. So like... Right. Like a stop sign isn't anything. So it it can learn shape recognition and it can learn all sorts of different variations on a shape. But a stop sign is an idea that is related to that shape. But potentially we could see a yellow triangle that says stop and we'd still know it was a stop sign or a cube that says stop or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like we have uh, an abstracted class of stop sign in our brain that is very difficult to program. Yeah, I know there's like so many, like Richard is probably one of these people, so many brilliant people working yeah. on making neural networks that more resemble how we think, but we're so far away. We're s- so far away. Well, I feel like the problem is the algorithms have to get so complicated that as a programmer, you don't actually know what they're doing anymore. And so knowing that it has any approximation of how we're thinking, I feel like we also don't know how we're thinking. So. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good I point. <laughs> I have no idea. The, the other problem I always have is I get to a point where I, I don't actually care what a computer can do. Like, um, if, a, if a robot can compose music that's really cool, I think that it's a neat trick. But it's like what you were talking about with the, the process being interesting with how you're working with neural networks. And the output is neat, but w- what's actually artistically um, like gratifying about, the, uh, about that kind of work is the process of you doing something with a with a neural network it's your interfacing with the neural network Hmm, the human side of it yeah yeah i was i was recently i was thinking like i feel like yeah the most satisfying like applications of maybe it's algorithms to music or just like interactive electronics to music are when like when humans make choices right with what the electronic like the electronics are a factor but the humans are making a lot of the choices Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's yeah i feel like that's what 
my goal would be with neural networks, but just, yeah, it's, it's a matter of like, the neural network is doing its thing. It's sort of, yeah, it's like a black box. You're right. And like, but then I'm putting things in, I'm taking things out. Maybe other people are putting things in and mm-hmm. taking things out and choosing what we, you know, right. It's, it's a collaborative process. Yeah. But it's, it's like the network is mediating human collaboration or something. Yeah, you're right. It's like you're generating human meaning, like human connection, yeah. but with that as a, yeah. I feel like it's all human. Like music is human. <laughs> it's in human brains. I don't think a, a computer knows what music is. It doesn't know what a word is either. Like it, yeah. <laughs> it's the whole thing. It's music is just us. That's a really, whoa, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Deep, I like it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I was thinking about this with like, you know, like, like airport screen. I went through mm-hmm. this airport screening once going through an international flight and there were two options. You could, it's like going through customs. You could either go through this like super long line where there's like three different stages of them checking you and like searching your bag and stuff. And then there was a secondary line that's like, this is, we're doing a trial of a new, um, like system to check people as they come into the country. Would you like to try it? And I said, okay. So I went over to this place that had no line and I went around the corner and there was just a dog sitting there and, and they were like, all right, so open your suitcase, let the dog sniff around and then let the dog sniff you. And so then the dog did and it was fine. And I just like walked on in and it's like, (laughs) it was kind of great. (laughs) Um, But it's also like, a dog like not only has the senses to pick things up but it understands social cues like it right it understands contacts it understands body language it doesn't need to be like it's not a computer that's like trying to identify stuff in your luggage it's like it's a dog it knows what it's looking for and if it doesn't find it it's like okay i'm happy like yeah and yeah it's just so yeah humans are so much more efficient at stuff than computers and in like in certain ways i mean yeah not like mass repetitive data processing tasks clearly but like that's pretty much the only thing that (laughs) i mean a a computer is infinitely better than a human at arithmetic yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't remember who said it somebody who was writing about ai was saying that there is no point at which ai is just slightly better than humans at something it's either infinitely better or way worse. Interesting. Huh. Have you been doing... So I'm curious about your C++ work. What are you working on with that? Nothing. <laughs> I'm, j- I'm just going through a, a book on, on, uh, on how to do it. And, and I've been stuck on a, a problem for like a week. So. What's the problem? <laughs> it's, it's such just a basic thing. It's like make a program that orders a series of uh, inputted integers in descending order. But that's fine. That's easy. Unless there's repeated integers. Oh. I don't know. I mean, I looked at there. There's, there's ways to do it that are pretty slick, but I'm trying to do it with what I've learned in the book so far. Okay. Which is with basic, like, if statements and uh, just, like, math uh, operations and things like that. That sounds like a fun challenge. Yeah. But uh, I'm a little bit stuck when it involves... It, it works fine if there's no repeated numbers, but... 
There's a great website about, have you found the one that's like a visualization of all the different ways to sort a list? No, that sounds like that would be helpful. Yes, if I find it, I will send it to you. Okay. It's good. kind of fun to watch also. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. So so you got that, you got your live streams mm -hmm. that you've been doing. You have your, your cassette out. Cassette out. Um, kind of everything else is on hold. I mean, I had a bunch of stuff I was really looking forward mm -hmm. to back in March. Like, April and May were booked with all kinds of, like, yep. stuff. And all that's either been canceled or just, like, indefinitely postponed. So, um, I guess I did... The only, the only other two things I've been working on are, like... When I say working on, it's, like, a very loose process because it's hard to motivate when I don't have deadlines for anything. But... Um, Certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, I like started, I think I told you about this the other day, I started making this, like I, I had a bunch of extra t-shirts, so I was like, I should make a t-shirt blanket so that I don't, so that I do something with all these t-shirts. And then I had the idea of like turning it into an installation project. So mm. I, uh, just ordered a bunch of little tiny, uh, tiny circuits, uh, little tiny chip things. And basically I'm going to make the blanket into, I'm going to call it a security blanket, so, like, it's going to have a few, like, sensors. I don't know if they're going to okay. be motion or touch sensors uh -huh. in them. But, like, when you move the blanket or touch them, you, like, wrap it around yourself, and then you hear comforting sounds. <laughs> so That's great. I don't know. I don't know how feasible it will be. I don't know how to sew speakers into a blanket or if I'll have to do it a different way, but it's going to be fun. I feel like also having speakers and, uh, like, circuits and chips in, in the blanket itself might make it less comfortable, too. That's true. Yeah, you're right. It might make it less comfortable. That's the the kit that I ordered is so the company is called Tiny Circuits and it like basically it's like the it's like an Arduino but each one is like the size of like smaller than a dime so you can like okay. sew it in and it's also machine washable chips which I didn't know existed but like all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff exists. <laughs> machine washable chip. That that's a funny idea to me because I have never considered that I wish I could wash a chip. <laughs> I mean, yeah, none of us really do need to wash chips very much. <laughs> like, like, well, can I put my laptop through the washing machine? Then I don't want it. I discovered recently, uh, tangentially, I was working on some music stuff with my laptop. I live like a block from Lake Michigan, which is uh -huh. wonderful. Oh, that's There's amazing. this like neighborhood beach down there so i like bring my little like blanket out and my laptop and i just like work on the beach on the beach yeah and i was doing that uh like last week and that's how i learned that macbooks um can be destroyed by like a single grain of sand so um did, did something happen to your laptop it, it's it's fine for now but basically like the keyboard between the keyboard the trackpad and like the hinge that uh -huh. If sand gets in there, it's like you can't get it out without removing all of that. Yeah. The keyboard is the worst on the MacBooks because it's under everything. Is it? Well, yeah. Ugh. So I, I've done a little work on my MacBook and like hard drives and stuff. That's all easy to get it. But the keyboard's under the motherboard. Oh, shoot. Okay. So you have to take that out. Yikes. <laughs> I, I admire that you work on your own MacBook. That is... Next Somewhat. level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I, I had two, and I spilled water all over one of them. Oh, man. So it's 
totally fried it. But I, yeah. uh, I, I took the hard drive out of that one and put it in my, uh, my second one. So. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like the old MacBooks, though. I don't think I would buy a new one. I had to buy a new one two years ago, and they're, yeah, keep the old ones going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to keep it going. I, uh, I really don't like the, the, the way the new ones are. Mm-mm. Yeah, keep those old ones. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if you, I'm curious to hear about the um, album you just put out, if you mm. want to talk about it, because it's, I loved it so much. Really? Yeah, I loved it. I have been, I've listened to it a few times as well, and it's just like, I don't know. It, it's like it, it's very emotional to me. Uh-huh. Like evokes a lot of different emotions. I'm just curious yep. how you. <laughs> I think I was I was it. very depressed and despondent, and uh, I I was just like feeling really like upset about the world of music and the political world, and really like despondent and uh, also like. I wasn't really agreeing with e- anybody and like all this anger on Twitter. And I was just like, how do you know, how are you so sure about what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> and so like, it was, it was like these three ideas, like, I don't know, what if you're wrong? And then the last one was like, how everybody has these thoughts that they're thinking, but everybody's hiding like 70% of what they're thinking right now. Cause mm. we're so like, we're so wrapped up in everything that's going on. So those are like the themes. And then I just made this super, super dense texture so that I could also just hide everything about like flaws in my technique. Cause it's just all going through reverb and delay. And so it just sounds like it's just amazing shredding and it's not even played that well. It sounds fantastic. So <laughs> it's pretty sloppy, but that's kind of the thing. It's like, if you put enough reverb and delay, and in fact, there's no dry signal at all in the entire album. It's all just 100% wet signal from reverbs and delays. That's really interesting. So it, it's sort of reflecting the structure of how we're expressing our yeah. thoughts. Wow. Huh. Yeah. yeah it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I can play it, though. Like, I would love to be able to perform it somehow. It's just... It's a little bit difficult to perform. How it's like with all the layers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I could like use a, a trigger and trigger mm-hmm. different layers, but then I feel like I'd have to do it like a DJ rather than like a, a guitar performer. You might get really famous. People like those kinds of performances. The DJs who are <laughs> like, yeah, and they just like hit a button. Right. Just fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> My my favorite is to assign a like a high pass filter to a dial, and so it's like <laughs> like that kind of thing, and you just fist bump while you do it. Yeah, that's the best. You can get famous doing that. You should do that. <laughs> I don't think I can get famous. You could. I don't know. I yeah. There's yeah. people out there. There's a saxophonist. What's his name? Um, he like plays saxophone and basically does that. He just has like a console and he's just like dropping different parts of his beats and then just like wailing over the top and he gets like thousands of people. Oh like, really? Ah, yeah. Saxophones, saxophones really doing it for people today though. You think so? I think guitar is kind of. It feels like if you were wailing on guitar over something, it feels so eighties. 
Hmm. People I guess, like saxophones like, right now. Huh. I guess they do. I'm I'm mostly thinking of because I like I don't I know so embarrassingly little about like con, like current music trends <laughs> like Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I mean I know that like a couple albums recently have had saxophone solos on them that people have uh-huh. liked and whatever, but I don't know what you're thinking of specifically, but I'm curious. I don't know. I feel like uh, I also don't know that much about, say, the last two years. I used to listen to a lot of like t- top 40 just to like keep myself in the know. Mm-hmm. And before that, I, I listened to it a lot just because I liked it. But um, I would say starting in like 2012... Like, everything had saxophone on it. And, like, all the Macklemore tunes and stuff, like, when he was big, it was all, like, these saxophone riffs that were, like, the the main hook for the song. Yeah, I guess that did happen. There was, like, a, a brief phase, because I was, when I was in Detroit, I played in a Balkan band, and uh-huh. there was a um, brief phase where, like, specifically Balkan horns were a thing oh okay in pop music it lasted for like six months max it was like very (laughs) short-lived but do you you remember any songs um jason derulo talk dirty i was just thinking about that that's like a soprano sax right that is uh i believe an alto and i i met the person who yeah um so the saxophonist who did that, I believe, from what I've been told, like the, because they also use some, um, like there's a brass section in that. I believe uh-huh. that that okay. is um, a Balkan band that I have played with out in New York. They're like, cool. So yeah, for a second, for a hot second, Balkan brass was like in hip hop, and I was like, yes, and then it stopped <laughs> <Finally>. immediately. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But no. yeah, uh, a friend of mine, Rachel Mazer, who went to Michigan when I was at Michigan in the same saxophone studio, just did the, she's the saxophonist on Lady Gaga's latest album. Mm. And so she's getting all kinds of great press for that, which is, it's like Sweet. really cool to see a very good saxophonist getting a lot of yeah. acclaim for doing that. So That's yeah. awesome. I feel like there's guitar out there though. I feel like <laughs> uh, there's a lot of it. There, there is. Uh, like Ed Sheeran, like the the slap stuff. Doom. Uh, that kind of stuff yeah yeah but uh like like whaley electric guitar i don't know yeah actually i guess yeah once again i don't know enough about popular music i'm an embarrassment to my bar trivia team because like every time there's like a music category question everyone like looks at me like no you can't do it and I like never know the. It's always like, all right, music category, Molly. You better get us the answer to this one. And then it's like, who is former superstar Sam Smith dating? And I'm like, I don't know any of this. That's like, a hard question. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, actually, so I, I have a pop music question for you. So oh. I'm, I'm working on uh, a paper right now that's talking about a, a trend that I've noticed like, a couple of years ago in pop music. And, Maybe you know about it because you do know about the Jason Derulo stuff. <laughs> but so there's this thing where these old songs are being reused, but the 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 lyrics are shifted, and the kind of sound is shifted, but the melody is kept the same. Like Ariana Grande's Seven Rings came out last year. Did you did you hear that? I would probably recognize it if I heard it, but so I don't. So she uses my favorite things. 
the oh. Rodgers and Hammerstein song, but she changes all the words. Whoa, interesting. Right. So, like, it's not a sample. It's not a cover. It's hmm. not really a quote, because all the words are changed. Huh. So, uh, yeah, so I'm calling it a, a propagation, like, from horticulture. Oh, yeah. Okay. You, like, it's, clip a little bit. Yeah, then... exactly. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. I, do you have other examples of Yeah, songs I have a, I have a whole that? list of them. But, uh, wow. Uh, do you remember the song uh, Graduation by Vitamin C? Mm-hmm. As we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so somebody took that one last year also and used it as the hook for a rap, but they sang it themselves so that they, they didn't sample vitamin C and they changed a couple of the words so that it was like, instead of like celebratory, it was like sarcastic and rude. Interesting. Right. It's fascinating to me what, what this is. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, like, whereas, I don't know, Rodgers and Hammerstein, I'm guessing, is in the public domain at this point, but... No, she, she, uh, she, had to, she has to pay their estate. They're listed oh. as uh, composers on the song. Wow, okay, so they're actually crediting people. Yep. It's interesting because it sort of revisits the, it sort of revisits the, like, impetus of hip-hop, right? Which yeah. is to take what exists and yeah. transform it. It <laughs> just, but they're all the legal about legal like right it's just it's weird because they're not samples at all hmm it's uh it really reminds me of jazz hmm like uh like if bill evans does someday my prince will come he's doing the song but he's totally transforming it mm-hmm. and like recontextualizing it and kind of like the meaning of it changes yeah yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And then also John Coltrane and My Favorite Things. That's, it's, yes. it's interesting that she used that one because that particular tune has such a history. I remember you once showing me a website or, that was like tracks. This is back to samples again, but in my mind, oh, yeah. they're like very related. That like track samples as they've been used yes. in different. Yeah, yeah. What's that website Who called? sampled? Who sampled? Okay. Yeah, because I think I did a presentation in uh, in Nicole Mitchell's uh, Black Music Seminar on sampling. Oh, right. And you talked about how, was it Miley Cyrus had yeah. sampled? Yes. So she didn't sample. So actually, I inc- I'm, I'm using her in my paper here because she takes a Slick Rick's song, Lottie Dottie, mm-hmm. and then she shifts it. She sings it to La Da Dee Da Dee. That's right. That's and it's a song about partying, which yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, super interesting. So that's like a very small propagation, but okay. I don't know. What what journal are you submitting this to? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Somewhere. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What What about you? Are you doing any written stuff? No, I feel like I feel like you're such a scholar with like you you write well about. Music, I don't, I, I haven't really written, I wrote a, like, the last thing I wrote was, like, a year ago, I was, right. I did some analysis of a Pamela Z piece that's fantastic, okay, cool. called Carbon Song Cycle. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to Carbon Song mm-hmm. Cycle? It's really fun. It's a... Carbon, yeah. like, like the element. Yeah. Okay. It's, like, 
she basically took, she was really inspired by the carbon cycle, which I didn't know anything about, and just, like, decided to make it into a, like, an opera, like a chamber opera. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, when was this? Um, in the last 10 years sometime. Okay. Let me find, let me see. I would have to look it up the exact year, but. New opera is such an, an interesting idea to me. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel like the, the, the world of sort of academic and academic adjacent music is like fascinating in what it is and how it exists. Hmm. Say more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think the, like the, the pop music industry makes sense to me. It's like a, a market that's been created and commodified and everything. But I feel like the, the academic music world also makes a certain amount of sense to me. Is it sort of a place to maintain these historical lineages of like Western European music? But then there's like this other space that I feel like is sort of downstream of it of experimental music by people who tend to be trained in those academic institutions but don't necessarily like the 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 structure and the the prescriptions of it but then they still do things like make operas and chamber ensembles and so it's partially engaging with it, but it's also kind of rejecting it. Yeah, I'm inter- I, I, it's interesting because like, I feel like my musical world, like so many different mm-hmm. people I interact with, like virtually every musician I interact with, not all, but almost all have some kind of academic music background. Right. But like the kinds of music they're making are just like all right. over, and so it's it's hard not to see all of them as sort of like part of that academic mm-hmm. music tradition. And the idea of like, oh well, like what is improvised music's place within the <laughs> academy? Because on the one hand, it seems to like people will say that the academy doesn't treat it well or mm-hmm. recognize it, but on the other hand, like it's very much enshrined in the academy. Yep. It's just like a funny. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's all all this stuff confuses me. Every time I think <laughs> about it, I just <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So uh so what's what's next for you? Do you have any any plans or anything you're looking forward to? Um well, uh making this blanket and I'm working on a commission um for a trio called Three Form that's in North Carolina. Cool. That's uh, saxophone, piano, and percussion, and so Sweet. that's been put on hold, but it's still happening. So I'm just kind of gradually working on it and hoping that at some point, whenever that is, they'll decide <laughs> that they are going to perform it. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much my uh, my things. Although uh, on Wednesday, I'm also excited because uh, it's a smaller thing, but I'm going to um, revisit Martim's class at Brown, and I'm going to teach a conduction. Oh, workshop, cool. which is going to be really fun. I'm excited. This is for that. October 14th. <laughs> yes. Okay. This probably won't be out by then, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm by the time it's out, I will have had fun. Excellent. I yeah. will have had fun conducting some undergraduates. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. What about you? 
I don't know. Uh, just working on some papers. Um, trying to work on another another Spotify release, probably for January or something like that. Cool. Maybe the opposite of hiding, like exposing or something. Exposing. That's probably not. <laughs> probably won't go with that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, it sounds like you got a lot of stuff. I guess. I mean, a lot, right? Yeah, well, sure. Well, you got your neural network thing, too. I do. Python That's sort or... of... These are sort of all, like, nebulous, like, no mm -hmm. deadline projects, which means I'm probably going to take forever to do them. Yeah. So, yeah. But, well, yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to play something? Before yeah, let's do get it. Out of here? I, uh, I'm going to grab my alto flute here. Ooh, cool. Might have to reset my levels just a tad, but we'll see. All right. I'm actually going to go and grab my banjo. I think that could be fun. Ooh, that could yeah. be fun. I'll be, yes. right, I'll be right back. Cool. All right. Do you have a good note that I can tune to? Uh, a good note? Or any note, really. That's a, should be a C. Yeah, yeah. Whatever happens, all right.
cool. That was fun. That was fun. I like appreciate that look at the end of every improvisation where it's like everyone kind of senses that you're done and then you all like look yep. like hello. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that cool. was fun. Yeah. Cool. I, I like this thing. I've been playing this thing a lot more. So Yeah, it sounds awesome. That's like have you been doing like any traditional stuff or have you been mostly doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh well I, I had a gig. Well I I've been I've played this the show probably five times in the last two years called Bright Star. It's a musical written by Steve Martin. Whoa, okay. So I had to learn like traditional, like, oh, it's all out of tune now because of that. <laughs> I had to learn traditional claw hammer. Wow. And then uh, uh, three finger scrug style, so. That's so yeah, cool. I've been playing a lot, so it's, it's fun. Wow. The banjo is a super underrated well, so, instrument. <laughs> it is. It's so like expressive and melancholy and like, yeah. Yeah. That's great. So where can people find you? Where can they find your stuff? Um, they can find me at, so my band camp is just mollyjones.bandcamp.com. And then I have a website and that's mollyjonesmusic.com. Um, cool. Yeah, pretty much there. All right, sweet. Well, thanks so much for doing this. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Cool. All yeah. Right. <laughs> Cool. Well, bye. See you soon. Thanks for watching or listening. That was Molly Jones. You can find her at the links below. And please remember to hit that like button, leave a comment, and subscribe. And also, if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. Thanks. Bye.